0: So blessed to be here today with you on this special Communion Sunday. And how appropriate is it for us to have communion right after we've celebrated the secular holiday of Thanksgiving? Uh, but for me, Thanksgiving is more than a secular holiday, it is a deeply religious moment in time when we reflect on everything God has given us. And there is no greater gift that God has given us. And salvation, then his son, that He would bankrupt heaven and send Jesus to Earth for us. And so it really signifies everything that we need to be thankful for today. And so as I reflected on this message for today, it was clear to me that the focus of Thanksgiving has to be on Christ. Uh, He is the apex of all the blessings in our life. Our lives would not be blessed in any way at all if it would end here in death. But instead, the one promise that we all have is that our life doesn't end here. It begins here and continues forever in eternity with Jesus Christ. And every single loved one that you have that died in Jesus Christ is there waiting for you. And what a great promise that is that you will someday be reunited in such a blessed way. And so this becomes the essence of our Thanksgiving service. And it becomes the essence of our communion service. And so when, we, when Jesus celebrated that, that last Passover, uh, effectively one day before he would be taken into custody and then crucified, when he celebrated that in the upper room with the 12 disciples... It was the last Passover service that God would ever ordain. It would be over, you see, after that communion service. And so it's important to understand exactly how the Passover came to be, how it was conflated, really, with communion and what it means today. And so here's what we know. We know that Jesus was celebrating the Passover, the very uh, ordinance that was given To Moses to give to the Jewish people as they would be taken from captivity in Egypt. Uh, And it's important that we understand what exactly took place that night. And you know that there were a number of plagues. I believe there were 11 plagues that had been put on Egypt and Pharaoh refused to bow to God. He refused to bow to God. And so finally the last, the last plague, effectively death. And so The people of God were warned, take the sacrificial sheep as you sacrifice it and take this unblemished sheep and take the blood of that unblemished sheep and put it over the lentil of your door and stay inside your home under the protection of the blood all night long. And the death angel would go from house to house through every street in Egypt. And whoever did not have the blood over their door would see death. And the firstborn died in all of Egypt, from the very lowest, from the very lowest, right up to Pharaoh himself. And his uh, own son would die uh, at that very moment. And God was indicating what it meant, you see, what it meant to be protected by the blood, what it meant to be protected uh, by the uh, ritual sacrifice of that sheep. And so really, as you understand this, Jesus was participating in this Passover service with his disciples. And as he did it, there are four cups of wine that are drunk during the Passover service. And at the third cup of wine, and how relevant is that? The third cup, the third day? Think about it. Nothing is an accident with God. There is no happenstance. And at the third cup, Jesus would change the Passover forever. And he would replace the old covenant with the new covenant. And he would institute the new covenant in that third cup. And you see, Paul, the great apostle, had a revelation when Jesus spoke to him about this. Uh, And we know that that probably was in the Sinai Desert when Paul spent 18 months in isolation as he was getting the gospel of Christ delivered to him one-on-one by Jesus after he had been saved, understood and wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, and it should be on the board. And it says there, uh, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Uh, In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You can imagine the monumental uh, statement that he made that night and how all the disciples were awestruck by what they had heard. They didn't understand this. This is my body that's broken for you, this is my blood that will be spilt for you. They didn't understand it, but Jesus knew that shortly they would understand it. They would know what it meant and how this became the new covenant. This is what joins us. The body of Christ. This is what happens when we are Christians and give ourselves to Christ. We are joined to his body and we become one with Christ. And it is really in the communion table where this is all sealed together. And now it's important to know that God doesn't do anything by accident. Everything had been prophesied for thousands of years before. Uh, And David, the great prophet David, a thousand years before Jesus would be born, wrote Psalm 22, verses 12 to 18, that foreshadowed, you see, foreshadowed the very death of Jesus Christ on the cross, foreshadowed it even before crucifixion had been invented as a means of death, foreshadowed this very act. And you see it here in Psalm 22, verses 12 to 18. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, and it is melted Within me, my mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. The people stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. Can you imagine that this could have been written a thousand years before Christ would be born? The very act of crucifixion Indicating it, I'm poured out like water. And you know when you study the crucifixion that Jesus had that sword go into his side and the water came out of his body. You know also that not a single bone in Christ's body was broken. Even as the Roman soldiers came to deliver the broken bones to end his life. He would already been called home. And so not one bone would be broken out of his body. Uh, and, and you see it here in this prophecy. Even as his, his tongue had dried out, and he required a thirst. And you see this circling, really, of the cross. Uh, By here, it's described as dogs, but really wild animals. And they pierce my hands and feet. You don't normally see piercing, piercing uh, as an evidence of death. But in crucifixion, it becomes key. And here, the piercing is of my hands and feet. My hands and feet being pierced. 1000 years later on the cross of Jesus Christ and then the most incredible statement they divide my clothes among them can you imagine that god gave that prophecy to david that jesus on the cross as he would look down his very clothing would be divided up by the malefactors and then the one piece of clothing that couldn't be divided up they would cast they would cast lots and in fact, that's exactly what the psalm said. Cast lots for my garment. And so the wine, you see, the wine that Jesus poured that day was a symbol of the blood that he would shed the very following day. This is what he told his disciples. This is why the Passover was over. The old covenant was over. A new covenant had been established in the very body and blood of of Jesus Christ. And you see, you see it even foreshadowed uh, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 46, where the Jews were told about the care they needed to take, the care they needed to take with the Passover sacrifice, the sheep. Do not break any of the bones of the sacrifice. Do not break the bones of the sacrifice. Well, why do you think Jesus told them that? Why do you think God told them that? Because it would foreshadow. It would foreshadow 1,400 years later when Christ himself would become the the perfect sacrifice and not a single bone of his body would be broken. And so just as the perfect lamb, just as the perfect lamb had to be used at the Passover meal, uh, In John 1, verse 29, it speaks about the Lamb of God. And there it says, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. That's what Jesus has become. He is that perfect sacrifice. He is that very Lamb of God. And so we know that Jesus fulfilled so many Old Testament prophecies. I could preach up here for three or four weeks uh, for hours at a time. Don't worry, I won't do that. But the point would be, if I wanted to emphasize the very prophecies from the Old Testament relating to Jesus, there are hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. Uh, and if you go back to the Garden of Eden, you'll see the very first one in Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen, where God says to Satan, who had just brought sin into the world, uh, "Quote, I and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring." And hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. He, he, Jesus, would ultimately crush your head, Satan. He would destroy you. Yes, you would inflict pain, you would inflict damage, but he will triumph in the end. And so God now would no longer have a need for the Passover, because Jesus Himself, himself now speaks to us of this new covenant. Uh, in Luke 22, verse 20, uh, and there it says, in the same way after the supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ poured out for you. And this today is what we are going to partake and what we are going to celebrate. And so the sacrifice, you see, of a lamb required in the old covenant was eliminated forever. It was terminated. And the most profound statement about that is found in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 to 13. And there it says, But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declare the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel, and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned from them, declares the Lord. This, this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. There it is. That's what takes place today. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And notice what he says there. The laws will no longer be written. They'll now be in their minds and on their hearts. The necessity of having a stone tablet where the laws of God are written are now removed. Now, it's in the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ in this covenant in which his law is in your heart his law is in your mind. And think about what he's joined here. He's joined all these disparate elements in the world, Jew and Gentile, who despised each other, who hated each other, who slandered each other. They now have become one through Christ Jesus. All of this on the cross. All of this comes together at the communion service. And this is what we have to understand. This is what we celebrate today. That is why I preach like this when we take communion. This is not just a throwaway sermon. This is not just a ritual that we take place. We take deep cognizance of what this is about. That's why I don't have it every week. Or I don't have it every month. I want you to reflect deeply on the profound aspect of what you are going to do today. You are effectively becoming one with Christ. You are making that statement to the world uh, in such a powerful way. So there's some things you need to reflect on today as you take communion. And you leave here today. I want you to reflect on this. What I would say are these are keys to the communion service. First, the Lord's Supper is foremost a memorial of Jesus Christ. Jesus made it clear to his disciples You do this in remembrance of me. This is a time of remembrance. This is a time for you before you take the elements that you reflect back to that upper room. As you reflect back to what Jesus was telling them. That in 24 hours he would be crucified. His body would be broken. His blood would be spilt. And all of it as he went, the sinless, perfect sacrifice for all time. So that you could be saved and have eternal life. And be part of your family with God. Someday, what a great thing he did for us. And now this is a time for reflection and remembrance. Second, it is a time of thanksgiving as we give thanks to God for Christ and thank you Jesus for this sacrifice that you've given us. Who would think that God himself would allow himself to be hung on the cross? What other religion in the world, I give you, has God himself being hung on a cross for humanity. You see, that's what separates us. That's what differentiates us from every other religion. And it was that single act which gives you salvation forever. Third, this is important, it is meant to be a public Proclamation. This becomes your public testimony to the world. When you take take communion, you are telling the world that you are part of the body of Christ. You are part of the generalized Church of Jesus Christ, the unified Church of Jesus Christ. Irrelevant, really, by denomination, but really, really the one universal Church of Christ. And so as we do this, as we do this and we proclaim it, we need to teach people about what it means. You need to teach your children and your family about what this service means. This is not merely a ritual that we go through. This is no mere ritual. This is bowing before the throne of God and asking him to look at us and forgive us and make us part of the body of Christ as he washes away our sins, and as we take cognizance of the seriousness of what we're doing uh, in every possible way. And so we recognize, you see, that the old covenant has been superseded. This is the new covenant in Jesus Christ, in his body, in his blood. And in Colossians chapter two, verses 13 to 15, it speaks eloquently on this. When you were dead in your sins, And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers And authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He made a public spectacle of Satan. A public spectacle of the ruler of this world. He did it that day and nailed all of your sins on the cross. The world would never be the same. It would never be the same. And so you understand how great this is over the powers and rulers of this world as Christ makes this incredible statement for you and now you're part of that. Fourth, it is a time for self-examination. This is now for you, every one of you, before you take the elements, even now as you're hearing me speak to you. You need to self-examine yourself. Lord, where am I falling short Lord, what part of hidden sin do I have? Lord, what part of my life have I not repented for? Lord, do I still have hatred and bitterness and resentment in my life? Lord, I ask you as I come to the communion table to take it away from me, to remove it from me, Lord, to come and wash me clean. This is what it means to be self-examining. And again, Paul spoke eloquently on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where he warned the Corinthian church uh, about this issue. Uh, And he warned them because they were acting in an unchristian-like way. They were coming to the communion table with hatred and slander and bitterness, and the church was being divided. And this is not what communion is about. And so as you come to the communion table, you need to be mindful of the fact that God looks at your heart, that you prepare yourself in a proper way, as to what you're about to do. Basically to come with, with a heart that's been washed. Lord, and I understand all of us have issues. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. But God wants you to know that he sees that. And he looks for you to bow and ask for reconciliation. For repentance to be washed. That's what communion is all about. To repent and forgive. And I would really emphasize that that's a part of what this is today. And now here's the other part about that. You cannot skip communion if you're a Christian. Because I know some people have done that. They have told me where they said, I, I have this hidden sin in my heart. Uh, I can't resolve it. I'm going to skip communion. Well, that's a sin. If God has called you to be a Christian, if you're united with Christ, if he has saved you, then you have to take communion. You have to emphasize that you're part of the body of Christ. And so what does it mean? It means clean up your life. Ask God to wash you. Don't sit there and ruminate because you have this secret room in your life, and you don't want to come to terms with it. You come to terms with it today through the grace of God, through that sacrifice on the cross. He washed you forever. That's what this is about. Make no mistake about it. And so fifth and finally, this is a demonstration of unity within the church and the body of Christ. As we take communion, we demonstrate that we are unified with Christ. And as we are unified with Christ, we are unified as a church. We come together. We're not divided. We're not angry. We're not slandering. We're not gossiping. Jesus died to bring peace to his believers. Peace. To the world of his believers. And to reconcile one man to another in the body of Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one. And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility and in setting it aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and his regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, one new humanity uh, between the two, and to reconcile the two. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access by the Father of one Spirit, Jew and Gentile. United together, one body through Christ Jesus, not separated. And so, as we understand this, Christ wants and God wants a unified body of believers. Look, these verses that I've cited to you today are somewhat grim. I understand it. Uh, but God is washing our hearts. He's asking us to be reconciled. He's showing us where we are short of the mark. And so all of this is about the atonement of sin that Christ did for us on the cross as we come to the communion table. It is confirmed today in the communion table. Uh, And so before we Gentiles were excluded from citizenship in Israel, but Christ took care of that. There is one body. There is one people, the people of Jesus Christ. And so this is an incredible promise that God has given us as we come together today. This is what Jesus has done for us. 2000 years ago, and this is why we celebrate communion. That is why this is such a serious matter. That is why this is such a sanctified event. This is why this is such a great sacrifice, and we need to remember it, and tell our friends, and tell our family about what it means. Uh, and, uh, and let me say this to you today, that if you're here today, even if you're not a part of our church, all that we ask is that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, There's no barrier here. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to take communion with us. You're welcome to attach yourself with this church to the body of Christ. Uh, And we want to do this in every possible way. Look, we cannot go to the communion table today without reflecting on all these promises that Jesus has given us about what it means to be a Christian, what our responsibility is to teach others in the world about this sacred day as we come together. You cannot go another day in your life, really, with, with bitterness and anger and enmity in your heart and yet come to the communion table. You have to ask God to give you grace to understand the nature of the sacrifice, to understand exactly what Christ did. And we will now celebrate it. Let me close this sermon in a prayer. Father, I thank you for your words I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for this message. I thank you for everything that you have given us today. Lord, help us now as we come to the communion table to have a greater understanding exactly of this sacrifice in every possible way as we bow before your throne, Father, and put everything we are about to do in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And now all of you should have a communion cup. And so, as you open the communion cup, the first part of the communion cup is the wafer. And so we know that this is representative of the the body of Christ. And as we do this, we're reflecting on the words of, of Paul, what Jesus said to him, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat their bread and drink of that cup. And so at this time, this is not an optional participation for you as a Christian. You're commanded to do this by Christ in every way. And so we ask God to look into our hearts. Father, we bow before your throne as we recognize the enormity of your sacrifice and the graciousness that you have given to us to be a part of your body. And so, Lord Jesus, as we take the wafer, as we take this, We come to an understanding of what you have done. So let us all take the elements together uh, and celebrate them as we do it in unison. Take this. Eat. Eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. and open the second part of the cup as we thank God for what he has done for us that great sacrifice saving us for eternity and now reflective of that upper room as he took that third cup and changed the old covenant forever making all of us part of the kingdom of God unifying us and attaching us forever to the body of Christ and he said in these words in the same manner take up the cup of juice this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as often as you drink it In remembrance of me, take and drink. Lord, we are humbled as we reflect on everything you have done for us. We are humbled that we can be partakers of the kingdom of God. That we can be joined to the body of Christ, and the reflective of what we have done today, we will be with you forever in paradise. Lord, thank you. Elevate our minds and elevate our hearts that throughout this week, we will reflect on what we have done and sanctify us as we consider your sacrifice. Lord, we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.